the thing I would love for everyone to take away about gender and trans issues is that they are tied into every element of our being. People very often say, you can't make blank into a personality. Yes, you can. Content warnings for this episode include descriptions of religion, cults, brainwashing, gaslighting, drug use, and mental health. Genderful would like to acknowledge the indigenous peoples and unceded lands that the producers, hosts, and guests live and have dwelt upon. Today, we honor the Coast Salish and the Tano'atam and Pascoyaki people. We honor the elders, the human, plant, and animal ancestors of these lands and celebrate the living descendants of these peoples. May all beings tend these lands for the goodness of the next seven generations and beyond. Miyati folks, welcome to Genderful, a talk show interviewing gender diverse folks about their special interests. The name of our show celebrates that gender expansiveness is wonderful. Hi, I'm Gender Master, and my pronouns are they, them. Hi, I'm Atlas of Phoenix, and my pronouns are also they, them. The focus of our show is to interview trans, non-binary, agender, and gender diverse people regarding their special interests, passion projects, and resources for the gender diverse community. We want our audience to know that this show is hosted by two folks who also identify as non-binary, transmasculine, neurodivergent, and disabled with the passion for telling trans stories. We invite you to remember that we are whole people with robust lives, friendships, challenges, and successes. We love and are loved, and we are delighted to share these stories with you. As always, we kindly remind our listeners that no person is a monolith of their identities, your identities can change over time and are valid every step of the way. And if you think you're gender diverse, you are gender diverse. There are no social or medical prerequisites to be included in the community. Hey, y'all. This week, our guest, Jan Deviation, he, they, is chatting with us about paganism, animism, and spiritual practices. Bazaar. Um... Dion, I'm so I'm so glad you're here. Welcome to Genderful. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, it's so fun. Oh my gosh. Um, how how did we find you? Like, I'm pretty. I, I mean, I know that Juice is the one who scheduled you for the show, but do we just like find you on Instagram or something? Like, how did this magic happen? I, I feel know. like. Juice mentioned seeing me on Instagram being loud about something. I can be really loud, like, you know, take up a lot of space. I wear loud colors. Um, and I feel like I might have done a um reel or something that came across the way. Nice. I love that. That's so great. Can before we get into like serious questions, can we both show chat our necklaces? What are the necklace twins today? I'm a little butterfly. Well, speaking of 89 i was i'm 85 so i have that original ddr <laughs> soundtrack in my head all the oh time oh my gosh yes <laughs> ddr oh my gosh i love ddr that was so fun i played it obsessively in high school all the time i was just at I had the mall the, i had the dance the pad i had the dance pad with a thick foam in it that's nice that's yeah. real nice that was, that was like playstation 2 though huh mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ooh, yeah nice. it was <laughs> um chat we both Dion and I have been playing Tears of the Kingdom all weekend separately at our houses. <laughs> yes. Um, it's been so fun. It's so fun. <laughs> it's just different enough. Like it does not feel like replaying Breath of the Wild, but yeah. it doesn't feel 
too different where it's like, oh no, I got to relearn the controls. Like it's, it's a really good balance. Yeah. There's one thing with the controls that's different on this hand and it's hecking me up every time, but we'll get there. And then I'll switch back to the other game and be like, I don't know how to do this anymore. <laughs> right. Missing all of those new features, which we will not yes. spoil. No, nope, not spoiling. Not spoiling. Not spoiling. But just letting you friends. know. Like not spoiling, it's really, but just letting you know. <laughs> it's it's real good. So good. It's great. So that's, you know, for anyone listening to this later, that's culturally what's happening right now is Tears of the Kingdom just released. Uh, Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom released on Friday. It is now Monday. So it's been out for a weekend. Um, yeah, we're really, I'm really enjoying it. I have like, I have one or two friends that I've been like DMing my thoughts to like, oh my God, this thing. Oh my God, this thing. Because I don't want to spoil it for everyone. So I'm not putting it on socials, but it's just like, you know, we've like negotiated what amount of spoilage, if anything, mm -hmm. is okay. And it's like, this thing, this thing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's been tough so because cute. I even want like I find myself wanting to get on Instagram or something and be like, look at this. Oh, and I'm like, no, not yet. Not yet. Yeah, yeah. Don't spoil it. Don't spoil it. <laughs> so exciting. Sunbury says, even as someone who played dozens of hours of Breath of the Wild recently, Tears of the Kingdom feels so fresh and delightful, and it really has been hitting the good buttons for me. Yes. yes. Big agree. Big agree. Anyways, let's talk about gender or something. <laughs> Okay. I just talk about video <laughs> games forever. It's okay. Um, I just love that we've both been doing that this weekend though. It's so nice. Um so so Dion, what are some things you can trace back to your youth that indicated you might be um gender diverse one day? So it's really interesting looking back, right? Because of that whole hindsight 2020 thing. Um, but also the community that I grew up in um, didn't follow, and I'm going to use the word, even though we all know this isn't really a thing, didn't follow um, gender norms quite the same way. My family is, my town is, you know, to put it in perspective, probably 90% Black where I grew up. And within that, we have a strong Gullah Geechee community, um, which has, you know, cultural ties going way back, um, isolated out of the systems of white America. And mm -hmm. so a lot of the stuff that I didn't necessarily think of anything when I was young, I look back now and I'm like, oh, wow, yeah, that was totally me trying to find ways to not even necessarily escape dysphoria at that age. I don't think that it really set in in my youth, but mm -hmm. really finding moments of gender euphoria. And like, you know, I remember going out with my all of my cousins who um, were boys were always now, regardless of your gender you were put in the yard when I was a child. That's where children go. We do not go inside, we yeah. go outside. And yeah. outside, we all took turns gardening, cutting the hedges, whatever. However, something that somehow was like a boy child thing was <laughs> getting to go um, jump on the back of a pickup truck and go out to the country and help with, you know, picking all sorts of stuff. And I remember being just absolutely honored when the person would pick me like put me on the truck and let me go with them. I'm like, oh, me, me, I get to go. And I, you know, I didn't think of it, but that was in my head a way of kind of being affirmed in my early feelings of boyhood or, you know, and I'm, I'm non-binary. So it's a, it's an interesting, like crossover between that concept of boyhood and the liminal space that I feel as my gender, right? Like having to use the languages that I have, that's the best that I can put it. But 
yeah, definitely. Those were some of my early ones of things I got to do that were designated more so to the boy children and feeling just extremely like kind of proud in a way that at the time I felt was like, am I being weird? Oh, that's, that might just mm-hmm. be my life since mm-hmm. it's there. Am I being weird? I mean, I don't think it's weird. I, if, if I were to, I don't know if I've ever actually answered this question. I may have, but, um, cause there was an episode where Atlas interviewed me, mm. but I, I think about there's a time in my childhood where on the topic of Zelda, since Chad is still excited about Zelda, um, <laughs> where I would go over to my friend's house and he was a guy and we would play Ocarina of Time. And that was like a big part of my childhood was like mm-hmm. playing Ocarina of Time. And then later, like when I was in high school, it was like playing Final Fantasy 7 or 10 or whatever was out right then. Um, I think 10. I think we we're playing Final Fantasy 10. Um, and so, I don't know, to me, I feel like getting to play those games was part of my like childhood that was more like dude flavored. I'm non-binary. Mm. I'm not like a trans man, but you know, it was more the the masculine, like there's, there weren't a lot of girls that were doing that. No, it's true. There were some, but there weren't a ton. So those games in particular, especially in the nineties, I don't know. Yeah. So, so I hear you about like, you know, being included in those sort of boy rights. Yeah. Being like, yeah. hmm. I hadn't thought about the video games and stuff, but you know, another one that now some of y'all are going to be like, what's that? But I'm going to put it out there at land parties. Mm-hmm. Uh, like literally taking your computer, your early age computer to yeah. a room or to somebody's house, hooking up to play the early like World of Warcraft or something like that together. And yeah, I didn't think about it, but you know what? There weren't many femme people kind of in that scene right at the time. Like, of course there were, but especially where I grew up at, well, first, even people who had computers, it was kind of like rare, but um, yeah, that wasn't necessarily a thing like, I don't know. I'm weird. I'm, it's odd too because I went to art school in high school, so yeah. there was a lot of flow and flux, right? As far as what yeah. gender expectations were. Um, but yeah, I haven't really thought about that. Yeah, the video games and even the uh, the end quote boys anime. I, I really feel like everybody <laughs> was watching Dragon Ball Z and Sailor Moon. It was not boy or girl. We all watched it. Like, <laughs> the anime was non-binary. <laughs> Chad is very excited about land parties. Sunbury says, land parties, I missed out on those, but definitely seemed fun. I was definitely scared of jerk cis men at those parties too, though. Totally. And the mirror me said, you could still host a land party these days. I did a bunch of years back before COVID. I mean, why don't we have like a queer and trans land party sometime? Sounds like a good time. I got a micro tower nowadays, so I'm totally down. I can just throw it in a backpack. I'll bring the snacks. I'll bring the snacks. I'll be a snack dad. (laughs) Yes. It's like an annual thing in the East Midlands. Your friend still goes to a big land party in the UK. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, wow. That's really cool though. This is a really niche hobby and I'm into it. I love, I I love no that everyone's idea. excited about it. Yeah, I'm <laughs> glad I brought it up. I had no idea. Yeah, I, I remember I was at some of those, but it was like a, it was a mixed gender land party. So there was like Halo Squad A in one room, Halo Squad B in a different room, and then in the middle living room was like DDR. Mm-hmm. And so all the girls were supposed to play DDR and the boys were supposed to be playing Halo. Mm-hmm. I did play DDR because that was my favorite out of the game options. And I didn't know how to play Halo and also guns, but I don't know. Mm. Yeah. You know, 
the mixed gender land party. <laughs> yeah. DDR was very mixed gender where I was because dancing is such a cultural thing. DDR was like a rite of passage, like putting it on hard mode and like acing every move. That was like my generation's version of the electric slide in Black culture. Like my mom, it was mm -hmm. like, oh, look, we can do the electric slide to anything. My generation was that samurai butterfly song and like mm -hmm. building every move, like just, oh, look, I'm amazing. But. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, um, noted bubbly says, those are some funkalicious glasses, Dion. Thank you. They glow in the dark. I have to let everyone know. Oh my know. gosh, they do. that's so cool. <laughs> that's my favorite. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love how, how stylish you are. Thank you. Yes. So, <laughs> so like clearly something happened from your childhood where you were doing like, you know, playing and doing the fun things, getting included on the truck to like being the um, mustache and goatee bearded person that you are today. Um, so can you tell us how your relationship to gender has evolved over time? Oh, yeah. So first, even I had a fear once upon a time of I'm going to use the word and, and flow with me here. I had a fear once upon a time of labeling myself mm -hmm. like there was this stigma put on. Well, you don't have to be a label. You, you don't have to let so and so be your whole personality. And it was lots of different things in my life, you know, like even the concept of being um, an artist when I was in high school, like, yeah, so you're one of the VA kids, your visual arts, we get it. It doesn't have to be a label. And it's like, but that's how I find my people, like learning to use the words that describe me best are how I find my people. And so really even learning to understand um, the word usage and that the, the words that describe people who are like me and our expressions was a huge change. And that wasn't even until my maybe mid to late 20s as I, the internet changed up from the walled gardens of AOL to, you know, what looking more like it is now, you know, I graduated before YouTube, y'all. So like right around Whoa. when that came, yeah. <laughs> Some of the first places I started to explore gender was on a site called Live Journal. And it was just people who would uh, journal their thoughts. It was literally like reading other people's diaries and, you know, coming across trans people and being like, wait, wait, this sounds familiar. This is kind of how I feel. And then, you know, coming across YouTube videos from uh, uh, trans people and gender expansive people who weren't using the word trans really, but talking about their uh, feelings around gender and seeing little pieces of myself in those discussions and um, finally getting active in a uh, forum is the word I'm looking for, a forum called Laura's Playground back in the day. Um, and it was all just you know all sorts of the trans umbrella like just all sorts of folks under gender expansion who would just share what their experiences had been um what their childhood had been because the message that i received as a young person is to be trans you had to have this oh but i'm a boy stuck in a girl's body type of thing mm -hmm. and that was what it meant to be trans and that mm -hmm. wasn't my experience really like mm -hmm. so you know i just kind of was like oh that's not me i but once I opened up to all these other words, all these other labels, as they were called, I really was able to explore, okay, hey, I have this feeling, so what does that mean for me? What does this look like if I take it somewhere? It took me over 10 years to decide on hormones or not, <laughs> but I'm glad I mm -hmm. took my time. I like to take my time with things. 
and just really think about um, how that intersects with, you know, other things in my life around mental health and chronic illness and such. And um, if it was something that I felt I needed to do to fit a label better, or if it was something that I wanted really in my life. And so really taking that time and um, talking with people in places like this, this is why I think it's so important to talk about it is I can remember coming across videos, interviews, podcasts of people talking about their experience. And that's how I started to discover me really is um, that kind of body mirroring, body body doubling thing that I do in my very neurodivergent life. It was very, it was really helpful to hear other people talk about it. I love that. Um, You know, a big part of why I keep making the show is because I think it's important to keep telling our stories. So people can see the other paths, the other options. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason the background on my scenes is the non-binary flag instead of the trans flag is there's a ton of trans podcasts. Um, and non-binary is trans, depending on who you ask. Yep. <laughs> For me, trans is an umbrella term and non-binary is one of the subsects or flavors of trans. Um, trans meaning everything that isn't cis. And, yeah. um, you know... It's just, it's a, it's about creating more of that visibility, more of that like possibility dreams. Yeah. Um, oh, wow. Like for the, for our audience members. And I can tell you it was really powerful. Um, I, I think I, I waited at least five years to start testosterone, maybe six or seven. Um, like I came out as non-binary and I was like, okay, that's it. Social <laughs> transition done. Right. They, them, that's it. The end. Um, but yeah, it took a lot. I had to get more secure in my personal life, like, mm-hmm. like got married, bought a house, like, you know, my, my person who loved me was kind of figured out. I mean, there's, there's plenty of people who love me, but I don't know, like, like my life partner, my, my ride or die, like the person who, no matter how much I changed was going to care about me. In addition mm-hmm. to me being that person, right? Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to Trans Capybara. That's my wife. Yay. We're going to have her on episode 100 and then promptly stop counting episode numbers. <laughs> yeah, we do love Cappy. She's great. Yeah, so I I started tea late, just like you did. It, it took me time to get there. Um, mm-hmm. And there was so much fear for me like to, to take it. I was like, well, I'm a singer. What about singing? Like I want a beer, but I don't, I don't know about all that other body hair. Like, like, yeah, for you, like when you made the decision, were there, were there fears that you had that you had to sort of overcome or quiet or hold or tend on the journey? Yeah, for sure. Um, even opening up about being non-binary, which I did before I I don't even know if I knew hormones and like HRT was an option when I kind of was like, okay, hey, you know what? This non-binary thing makes sense to me and for me. Um, but when I started to think about the concept of transition, so first of all, I don't like moving. <laughs> I don't like changing space. Um, it, it can be a really big challenge. Um, and so the concept of doing that within my body like this body that I had known at that time, what, you know, 27 years or so. And I was really afraid, like, you know, I don't know what changing means. I had people in my life who had um, transitioned 
um, one of my partners, Gaius, had transitioned um, with HRT and everything. I had um, other people in my life who were actually, and this was the other thing, so many people in my life were trans. Like as mm -hmm. I made friends, went to college, met new people. Um, and it was like, wait, hmm. You know, that kind of like attracts like type of thing. So it was like, okay, mm -hmm. maybe, maybe I should give it a shot. But yeah, definitely that changing in my body. I had some struggles in my high school years around my body um, that weren't, well, looking back, they probably were related to gender, but at the time I didn't quite realize that. And so having big changes in my body felt really frightening as well as I sing. Um, I used to sing professionally and mostly now I sing for fun, but I love singing. And I was really worried about exactly that. Like the concept of my voice changing, what does it mean? what would I sound like? Like, actually, even to this day, I'm going to watch this recording and be like, <laughs> who's talking? Is that me? <laughs> but um, I don't know, realizing one thing that really helped me with a lot of that fear, um, which is something we're going to talk about today is reassessing my uh, relationship with spirit like what does it even mean to be a person which mm -hmm. y'all that sounds like such a jump from like hrt to questioning your own humanity but it was such a part of it for me it's like okay but what what even am i mm -hmm. am i this body and so but bodies change change yeah. is the natural order thus being static is actually doesn't fall in line with most of nature everything in nature is constantly changing growing being aging and so really coming to an understanding of that helped quell a lot of my fear because it's going to change anyway. I can either put some influence in that change or I can let it change without my influence. But either way, my body was going to change. So mm. it really helped me to kind of reassess and think about it because I was totally, I don't know if it's like just a fear of the unknown or that lack of clarity of exactly what I wanted because I did not. And even now, sometimes it's hard to find non-binary folks um, who present in ways that I feel really, really aligned with. Um, mm -hmm. It's very, it's, I think for all of us, I mean, for all trans folks, right? It's a personal journey, but um, especially when there isn't, like, I can't look and go, oh, look, that person, that's the one I want to model after or be like, like, I don't know, that's been different for me because so much of my youth was finding a person or a thing and saying, oh, hey, that's what I want to be, uh, that one right there, and trying to move around to fit that um, versus coming from internally, like, hey, why don't I see where I go? And so that's been a big shift out of that kind of fear of the unknown to embracing it for me. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, that actually helps us um, to switch topics to the next question which is how has your experience of gender informed your spiritual practice? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, I grew up in a Pentecostal megachurch uh, that leaned toward a cult of personality. There was a person at center who it was more about him than it was about uh, the congregation's version of God. Um, and because of that, I questioned a lot of what I learned spiritually really, really young. Um, I was an early reader. I love reading. And I came across this book that I wish I remember the name of, y'all. It was a compilation of all, well, not all, not all of it, you know, but a huge compilation of folklore from all around the world. Cool. Spiritual tales, like all sorts of stuff just from everywhere. 
And as I read it, I kept seeing the same stories over and over and over. And they would tell you, you know, what time period this was from or in uh, what area of the globe it was from. And it's like, okay, so these stories have been here long before Christianity existed. And it's the same stories. That makes sense, right? Very little in the world is new. But there were the stories without the exchange that we were expected to make in my church. My church was very much about money and giving a certain amount or giving a certain amount of labor if you didn't have the money, because you always owe, you always owe God. And you always just had to be thankful that you were even alive. Like, and it you know, looking at things, even as a seven-year-old, like, no, I don't. I don't have to be thankful. Like, I don't. What if I just exist instead? Like the people did in these stories, they were fine. They just existed. Trees just exist. They don't wake up like, oh, I'm so thankful. Thank you, world, for letting me be here. Like, it was this groveling, this constant groveling that they wanted. And that also informed a lot about how we were supposed to behave, that most of the gendering that was placed on me was placed on me by the church, not actually Mm. my family. Mm -hmm. Um, My family was pretty flow. Like, you know, we wore school uniforms. And I remember saying to my mom one day, like, I do not want to wear the jumper skirt thing anymore. I was so athletic, running around in a salopette that kept flipping upside down was not going to work. And yeah, my mom just real quickly was like, oh, cool, we'll get you shorts. Like it wasn't, you know, like what the boys uniform. It wasn't anything like that. It was just, yo, you're right. You run around too much here. Wear this. And that part was fine. However, when it came to church, like, no, you need to have on the dress. You got to look this way. You need the puffy petticoat. I'm originally from Georgia, y'all. Yes. In the late eighties <laughs> and early nineties, we were still wearing petticoats and lace. They're called dickies. They're like these lace bibs that you put on over your dress to make it even lacier like yeah it was wow. intense yeah it was oh oh in bonnets sun bonnets by the yes <laughs> so, um, no straw hats for you only no sun straw bonnets. Hats. full bonnets with flowers shoved oh, in man. and everything so um <laughs> you know i the loved flowers. it actually the flowers <laughs> listen i actually loved it in some ways because i liked getting it was like i don't know i feel like it was my own baby version of drag it was like oh look okay. at me i'm so yeah. over the top yeah. you know But, um, so I actually didn't mind that very much, but then the behavioral parts were church and Mm -hmm. I'm going to touch it and then let it go. The racist history of how Christianity and whiteness established America's gender roles is Mm -hmm. thick. There is a lot of history there, but that's where it was. Hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Juicy, two C juicy. And... (laughs) So the church really felt like, you know, okay, if you're behaving in this way, that's how far away from God you are. You're very beastly. You should know how to behave, you know, as a woman should behave. And I was, I was very loud as a child as well. I questioned everything in children's church out loud. I spent so much time and time out, like just becoming more and more evil and Getting to that place where I was seeing, you know, all these different words, all these different ways of expressing gender, um, I had already kind of let go of that, that Christian megachurch stuff. But um, one of the first thing I leaned into, which I think everyone in 1997 leaned into, were the growing um, pagan covens that were all around. You could go to those, like, I don't even know what you call them. They would be these little pop-up shops that sold crystals and reliquaries and books by 
Llewellyn Publishing, and I don't yeah, know, like I, I, bookshops. Yeah, and I metaphysical shops, metaphysical shops. Yeah. yeah, and they were popping up all over the place, and you know, I leaned into that really hard, but then found myself in a coven that was even more gendered than my church. Uh, like a Brit trad situation. Oh, I think it was something like <laughs> yeah. that. And it was like, we enter the circle, male, female, male, female. But now oh, what's God. really amazing about I it really is they felt me. Paganism. Right, right. <laughs> I, and I, I learned too as well. Like at the time I was like, okay, wait, hey, maybe this is different because they did in some ways call it. I remember the high priestess once as I entered circle without really looking at who I was, was like, oh, I'm sorry, the, the, a woman should come in front of you. And I was like, <laughs> you know, I look, I was like, oh, it's me. And, you know, she looked at me for a while and was like, I'm sorry. But it was like, she felt something in my energy that was like, mm-hmm. mm, you know, something's going yeah. on there. And as I, I created a push within the coven, um, that it doesn't have to be that way. What about mm-hmm. spirit needs to be gender? If you feel something in my energy, what if we just went by energy instead of body parts yeah. or something? Yeah. Even if it yeah. was that. And um, a couple people in the coven actually were like, oh, hell yeah. And I was amazed because it's like you say something like that and then you get that like 86 year old who's like, I definitely have femme energy. And it's like, okay, come on, let's let's get it. Like people started speaking <laughs> up actually. That's so great. Yeah. And it was like, I don't want to call the fire sign. I want to call water. I know I'm not supposed to, but- it was amazing to see how, mm. you know, that flux within even. Yeah, yeah, but they did not like that, the priest and the priestess. And uh, so, I, you know, that that did not last. Um, but Weir it was important. We were me saying in the chat, I love, what I love most about paganism is that it feels like the choose your own adventure of religions. So anything that would put uh, a per- mirror in a box sounds like a terrible time. I love that. Oh, I love that. It is. It is like a DIY choose your own adventure. I really mm-hmm. love that. And um, that's what happened is after that, it was like, okay, I want something that honors the earth and the way I see things in nature. Because for me, trans is part of the natural flow. There are yeah, very, uh-huh. very few things that you look at in nature that are just extremely binary with no flow. Even Mm -hmm. the concepts, we call things day and night, but the truth is it's a a continual spectrum. It's never Mm -hmm. just day or just night. Everything is always moving. Like, so to me, trans is just the sensible state of things, you know, Um, Mm. that flux and the way we change in time. And it really, (laughs) this is another one, y'all, that some things I was very young when I started making up my own concepts of belief. And one of the first things that, touched me so deeply in a spiritual sense was charlotte charlotte's web the the old cartoon movie yeah and she sings this song um he turns the season around and so she changes her gown it's this long actually no no it's one of the shortest songs in it i'm pretty sure and it's the spider singing about uh the flow of time and mm. how we just are here getting to watch it just kind of getting to participate in our own little part and then just be gone and even mm-hmm. though that was the saddest thing I'd ever heard in, at my, in my life at the time, it yeah. was also beautiful as far as, wait, that's right. Everything is constantly changing around me. And it really made me want to pay attention to nature, pay yeah. attention to the cycles of nature and how that felt in my body, both as 
not just a trans person, but somebody who experiences a lot of um, mental challenge with my mood settings, uh, just because of like psychological stuff and really just look at myself as a part of nature and find ways to honor nature, mark those time cycles, mark time. And what do you know? Suddenly I'm a pagan. <laughs> I, um, I flex between the words pagan and animist. Um, pagan because I came across it first as a non, a word meaning non-Christian. Animist mm-hmm. that I came to much later as a anthropological term that actually kind of started in a really problematic way, but then just kind of went away as David Attenborough and then people were like, oh, wait, oops, we can't just be assigning people's spiritual beliefs as animist. Um, but I really actually like that word as far as earth honoring. Mm-hmm. There is a earth honoring tradition. Um, my people um, in Georgia do honor earth changes, Gullah people and changes in weather and um, cycles of time even though that history, like I can't look like some people and go, you know, my, my life history, my family history only goes maybe two generations back, three generations because of that's where slavery hits. Um, mm. So yeah, not all of us can look back and say, oh yeah, here's the lineage that I come from for hundreds of years. So animus fits because it is something I've had to kind of make up using pieces yeah. of what I do have. And it all came from exploring gender as nature exploring my own experience of gender as nature i have you ever heard of the mushrooms that have like thousands of genders (laughs) amazing yeah mirami who's in the chat could totally info dump about that at us at any time (laughs) yeah what is it like 1400 i don't know what's the number do you remember mir i can't remember it's a it's a very large amount whatever it is um i love i love that there's this theme of change and learning to accept change within all these pieces of your story that you're telling today um so is i wonder if for those who don't know what animism is if if you have a definition that's sort of potent and pithy i think i have a potent and maybe not so pithy definition Um, animism, I'm going to give two parts. There's an old definition that comes out of anthropology, which is, again, kind of problem, not kind of, it's problematic, y'all. Comes out of anthropology. Mm -hmm. Animism was the worshiping of non-spirits. So things on earth like trees and water, which is so messed up. And then in its newer form, the way a lot of folks are using it, um, people coming out of uh, pagan circles or just, you know, following earth honoring traditions that may not have names anymore mm-hmm. is um, how it's being used is animism is the worship or acknowledgement and convening or, or yeah, and convening with natural spirits in our nature. Like, so again, the exact same things, the water, the trees, the earth that we're on, um, the air that's around us. So everything around us contains the word that I'm using loosely here, spirit. And spirit Mm -hmm. can mean a lot of things, whether that's energetic essence, vibration. Um, But again, it's definitely choose your own adventure. The words you like to use and the way you take that in can definitely vary very much from person to person. So like, I definitely believe in vibration, but I experience vibration in this human body 
sometimes as color, sometimes as heat or radiation, sometimes as pressure against my skin, against my uh, body systems, but it's all of that is coming from the world around me. And so that's actually part of my practice even um, is to just sit within all the vibrations, which may sound really easy, but especially as a neurodivergent person, that takes in a lot that can be a really intense exchange with nature is just honoring all the vibration around. Um, mm. But yeah, so you can think of animism as an earth honoring spiritual tradition that may come from something that was once named that, so like for me, there isn't a name within the Gullah Geechee hoodoo, hoodoo anymore. Like mm. so we still call ourselves hoodoo, some people, but where it all came from, though there are lots of histories, like we can trace that history back, but where my particular like family's practice comes from, that's that's more or less kind of the name is lost to history. So mm. we'll put the name animism on it. Um, and I'll be a Gullah Geechee hoodoo, but otherwise making my own thing up using the hoodoo that I learned. Mm -hmm. I love, I love the, the varied and assorted definitions that you gave of animism. That's like, you know, I think what Mira wrote in chat is another way to say it kind of simply everything has a spirit. Mm -hmm. I, I think of, so I've been to a couple of witch camps, which is fun. And I think of the the differences between like the 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 theists who want to work with gods like capital G gods and goddesses like with names right Athena, Oya, yes, um, Ganesha, whomever, and then those who would show up to witch camp who are more animists who are like I want to work with the mycelium, yeah, I want to work with cedar, I want to work with like polar bear, or the crows, yeah. Um, and so this, one of the interesting things at Witch Camp is like finding this, this blend or this togetherness um, between those who are um, deists and want to work with, you know, capital G gods and goddesses, and then those who are animists and want to work with elements within nature. And how do we as a, as a Witch Camp community that's very eclectic and honoring both paths um, find ways to be together. So then we're in ritual and we end up calling in both, you know, Athena and mycelium or whatever. Like, it's like, yep, we're just, they're all invited. Yep. <laughs> they all Come get to be at the ritual. <laughs> yep. Exactly. And welcome all of you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Athena celium. Nice. <laughs> Though there is that um, crossover when you look yeah. at, um, when you look at deity, like, um, Arachne, mm -hmm. spider, but person, but spirit experiences yeah. all of those. So there is that interesting crossover space there. It's interesting. Yeah. I wonder about, um, I don't know if it's, I think Sekhmet more than Bast maybe is another mm -hmm. one of those sort of centaur combined yeah. human animal combo. Very chimeric. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm having so much fun. I've lost what question I'm on. Oh. I don't even know. Um, all right. And I'm, I'm noticing that maybe I'll ask one more question and then we'll have our break and we'll come back to the rest of it. All right. Um, I feel like I kind of asked, well, maybe I didn't ask that. Um, how does your spiritual practice create opportunities for fulfillment and euphoria? Yes. Um, that's an important one. So 
for me, the way that I'm constructing, um, well, so I'm also uh, in coursework right now to become a official minister, like become a, officiated. And um, part of why I did that actually is because one thing I realized that I did kind of, when I look back, I wish I had, were more of those rites of passage, not necessarily to align with my cis, like people who are cis in my same practices, but as a trans person, I would love to see, you know, something, imagine like a sweet 16 party for when you decide to start HRT, if you decide that, Yay. or when you just start like a, a way to mark the beginning of your social transition, if you would like something like that, or um, I want to be able to actually, uh, well, of course I can do this without any type of official paperwork, right? But I even look at so many of um, my queer and trans fam who want other services around marriage or um, things like we call them wickenings, but like saying, hey, look, here's a baby, a new baby in our community. Like, how do we mm -hmm. let that baby meet the world? And so being able to hold official ceremonies um, and sign licenses and um, do things like that has become more important to me as I get older and yeah. realize like, you know, imagine like being able to go to somebody queer for a name change another trans yes. person and have a whole ceremony around it instead of it just that. being yeah and so by becoming real like by becoming official clergy i actually give myself the ability to give a lot more to the community and myself in that way because the practices that i've pulled in around um one big one for me is uh the body check um my form of communing with nature right now requires me to really let myself pull myself really into my body and check in mm. and just say, hey, what does this feel like? What does this feel like? What does this feel like? Because actually before being very open with myself about being trans and starting HRT for me was really good, um, though I totally know that varies from person to person, like whether they want that or even how it happens when they do it. Um, the important part for me was getting in my body. Mm. And mm. that helps me have less episodes of extreme dysphoria by just kind of checking in with my body more often. It also um, helps me to, to know where I am. Uh, there was a time when I lived my life very, very outside of myself and would find myself extremely upset suddenly or, you know, extremely dehydrated is another mm -hmm. one. Um, and because I wasn't checking in with my body, but making what might seem like an everyday thing, even something like my going to bed ritual. Like it might seem very everyday, but the ritual of it, remember everything was just everyday at one point, somebody ritualized it. And it's been really right. nice to just have those check-ins instead of brushing my teeth because I have to, because I got to go to bed. It's like, no, listen, I'm taking care of myself. This is a caring act. This is also me interacting with nature in this way. I'm cleansing by water. I'm cleansing by friction. I'm creating vibration. You know, and it's really, it's really helped me to honor my body in ways that I don't think I could before, mm -hmm. even though mm -hmm. there are things I totally want to change in my body. I also don't want it to come across like, wow, my spirituality fully made my trans experience 100% what I wanted. It's not that, but it's letting me stay checked in as I try to find ways to, like for me, I want surgery in the future. Um, I'm still actually really wishy-washy about what I want to do continuing HRT. Like, I think I might want to lower a bit like it's been a couple years now but 
um, I'm not making those decisions in haste or making those decisions out of desperation anymore. I'm mm -hmm. making the decisions because I'm checked in, I know what I'm feeling, and I have like a good idea of what I want. Mm -hmm. And that's all been because of um, forming my spirituality this way. I love that. I love that so much. Um, I don't know if you know this about me, but I actually went to seminary. I did not. And got a master's in theological studies. I was going to get an MDiv, but I converted to paganism in the middle of Christian seminary. And I was like, I don't want to pay another 20 or more thousand dollars to get a degree I probably am not going to use because it's very hard to get full-time paid work as a pagan clergy. Yeah. Like yeah. you can, if you try real hard, you can maybe do it as Christian clergy, but especially in America, pagan clergy don't make any money. So I was like, yeah. why am I going through all this trouble and going through all this money? Um, I was really lucky that I was able to switch degree topics and um, and graduate with something. So I have a master's degree instead of nothing, instead of debt with no degree. <laughs> I'm ordained through the Universal Life Church, which is the, the, the place you just get ordained on the internet. You know, it takes a few days. And I have done a few weddings and funerals. Um, but I love what you're talking about with rites of passage for like trans milestones. Right. Yeah. Like, and I, when you're talking yeah. about brushing your teeth and thinking about how you're engaging with um, cleansing via water and vibration, like it's, it's like you're engaging in Gata practices, except through a pagan lens instead of a, a Buddhist lens, yeah. which I love so much. Um, anyways, I would say that um, comparative religion um, was my focused special interest for a majority of my 20s. It is still something that's interesting to me, but my special interest has moved more towards gender at this point in my life. Mm -hmm. um, but it still makes my heart sparkle when I hear people talking about like intersectional religion paradigms. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's amazing. No, I did not know that. That's absolutely amazing. And there was something you just said. It really like sparked in me. And I, you know how you like, hear it and you're like and then the whole idea just shoots out of the top of your head over there it'll come yeah. back like you know four o'clock tomorrow randomly yeah adhd be like that but yeah no i i feel like it was about um oh even that though funerals um rights like rites of passage and rites of passing the amount mm -hmm. of folks who still can't be buried with their name with yes. their like you know and so being able to even provide that to be able to say, hey, I can officially provide end-of-life services for trans folks so that you can have that last honor, you know? Um, yeah. 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 Oh, man. We we have had one other person on the show who was a, um, like, a wedding facilitator, like a trans wedding facilitator. Um, but I haven't met anyone besides me who's who's been available for the funeral stuff. Um, it's just, it's just, like... And, and the funerals that I have done were actually Christian because my friends, my friends were queer, but their parents were not. And mm -hmm. so exactly. you know, they wanted to honor their parents' wishes in the funeral. Um, so it's like, all right, let me dig out my dusty old Bible from this shelf over here. And the, the, the old stuff. holy book. <laughs> the old book. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's been a long time since I've done that very specific type of ritual work, but mm. um it's it's good it's good it's a really important offering um and i feel like you know i don't know how much you've thought about this this phrase is very christian but um like pastoral care like the 
basically like the one-on-one sort of, for those in the chat who don't know, the one-on-one um, spiritual conversations or mentoring or, you know, sort of space holding. Um, I That was the part about seminary that was most exciting to me. I wanted to be a yeah. chaplain. I wanted to do pastoral care like all the time because it's yeah. interesting to me and having those like close conversations. And, you know, I feel like in my own way, I've created a version of that with my discord server. Like we have a bunch of queer and trans people around and we talk about our feelings and we're like brave and honest. And, you know, it's not, you know, we do have guidelines about like, you know, this isn't like a just vent space where you just dump your problems and leave. Like we're not, we're not just here for people's explosions. Like we're here for like genuine connection and like conversation and like what have you. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been so rewarding getting to bring those skills from seminary and translate yeah. it into this queer and trans space. Yeah. Um, and that server is open to folks. You can find the invite on my link tree. I'm dropping it in the chat for those who are here with us live right now. Um, but it's a wonderful, a wonderful space. Um, so we're about to take our break. Is there anything you want to say just on this topic that we're currently on about um, fulfillment and euphoria and rites of passage before we pivot to our, our break? I feel like that last bit you said really hit it because yes, my academic background originally was in um, psychology and I was going to be a therapist. And what do you know? Here's this pastoral care and pastoral counseling role where I don't have to spend another $10,000 and can still Mm -hmm. provide that type of space holding because yeah, we need it in community um, so much. Like I, I love the joke of like, you know, how do there's all these jokes around how do queer folks become best friends and it's like they make eye contact and it and tell their entire life story and it's like it's funny but it's also <laughs> like that's because we need space to do so yeah we need people who because we can't we can't always go into many places and just go hey yeah here's my stuff and still be honored as trans like i say i love my fluffy dresses and i still get side eye from some people like well you need to choose it's like i did i chose tr- fluffy dresses and a beard I chose. So, yeah. yeah, no, just this has been great so far. I'm excited for the rest. You chose gender heckery as your gender presentation for the day. Very good. Yes, I love it. <laughs> Psst. Hey, listener, over here. Yeah, hi. You like podcasts, right? Sure. Or you wouldn't be listening. Let me tell you about a great new show telling stories written by people who are LGBTQIA2S+. It's called Strange Stories from Odd Folks. That's with an X. And season one is coming. Voices by Lee, Lexi Jones, and Tracy Clifton. It's got horror, sci-fi, fantasy, and more. Do yourself a favor. Go check it out. Season one begins on May 10th. Go to oddfolks.podbean.com, odd folks with an X, or search Strange Stories from Odd Folks, say it with me, with an X, wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back, meowdy friends. So we have a question from the chat. Um, Dr. Trifonius is asking, can you be a humanocentric animist? I haven't had too much contact with animism, sorry. So I would love um, just like a short explanation of the word humanocentric. I know a couple different definitions for it, so I'm not completely um, sure of the 
intended meaning. Um, the second, but I can at least say, as far as like a general concept, um, animism is extremely flexible as far mm -hmm. as if you believe that there's a spirit in everything um, and you are doing the work to both learn about the earth honoring traditions in the land that you're on um, and what the people of that land have done in their earth honoring traditions to make sure that you're not, um, you know, falling into that line of appropriation versus um, finding ways to honor earth your, in your own ways, um, then I think in general, yes, there are lots of ways to be animist. It's very, um, not necessarily do as you please, because of course there's that concept earth honoring, right? So, um, but anything within that scope, I believe so. I appreciate you taking the time to answer that. And mm -hmm. uh, Dr. Trifonius, if you want to be more specific about your meaning, um, let's see, you did write something in the chat a few minutes ago. Mm. As far as Dr. Trifonius is concerned, such a non-theist perspective that focuses purely on human love is not strictly in conflict with the Catholic tradition in which Dr. Trifonius was raised. Yeah, I mean, I feel like something about human centrism um, is the, the piece where humans are greater than everything else or like the center or whatever and i don't i don't know if i think for me personally i don't feel like humans are the end-all be-all creature on the planet like we're a creature but that doesn't mean that we have i don't know oh i might yeah, have found a fine fine line before you're into the hubris territory says Megs. yeah go ahead mm -hmm. go ahead dion yeah i i might have found i scrolled back in the comments here because I, I didn't realize how long ago that is um dr trifonius put admittedly i've come to this from a christian background but i basically cut down divinity to the human ability to help each other and change the world for the better there's no overarching god but the human ability to selfless love is divine in its own right mm, i see that okay i think with that understanding um there's actually a name for that too i'm trying to remember there's so many there are so many well Gender master, you did comparative religion. So the the amount of words to describe the ways that people interact with spirit are yeah. almost endless. And I know there is a particular word for our ability to be to do supposed selfless amicability it has a name, like that particular mm -hmm. thing. Um yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Endless ways to call it. Yeah, um, I definitely feel like even so, we see that same amity for no reason in so many creatures of Earth. So many of creatures of, of Earth do kind acts in ways that don't benefit them in any way whatsoever. So that concept of love as something divine, yes, that's beautiful. And I do think that's a type of animism. It has a name. I don't remember what it is, but yeah, that's definitely honoring um a spirit that's here in earth and with so many earth's creatures so yeah um dr trifonis is saying i'd call it agapism not sure if mm. that's official like agapeism mm -hmm. or agapeist agapist mm -hmm. yeah i like that it's a, it's a greek term for unconditional love i think i think mm -hmm. it's greek yeah i think so oh man 
I love how philosophical this conversation is getting. It's it's <laughs> fun. It's also making me feel like, um, you know, I didn't have ADHD meds when I was an undergrad. I really wish I did. I think I would remember a lot more of it now if I had. That's rough. It was, you know, I also um, didn't drink coffee until after, after undergrad and grad school, actually. So the the sort of ADHD brain helper of caffeine was not in my um in my toolkit back there. Um cool. so speaking speaking of um the the sort of near endless ways to interact with the divine, mm-hmm. um, what does paganism mean to you? So not not what does it mean in general, but what does it mean like in your life, in your practice? For me specifically, I still use the term paganism, and sometimes I even say pagan animist, because I love the mm-hmm. concept of the irreverence of paganism, um, <laughs> the the hedonism yes. in it, that you are supposed to enjoy life. Um, uh-huh. I love that. And that's why I, I still use the word pagan, actually, is so pagan, hopefully, to, yes, look, there we go. Do <laughs> it, Rainbow Mass. We're doing, we're doing a mischief. Yes. Oh my gosh. Um, so yeah, we're totally that concept of this is the thing that I'm doing is not Christian and it is deeply rooted in hedonism. So Mm -hmm. that is paganism for me. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. It's, there's so many ways to be pagan. Um, you know, I, I have this like eco-feminist anarchist tradition that I'm a part of. Um, and it's very like, it's very gender, like, like it intentionally in the principles of unity, it calls out like that we are supportive of all the genders, the gender histories, sexes, sexualities. Um, we also talk about, you know, how important it is that, um, people's different like race and racial experiences be considered and included. Like, you know, it's not only white pagans who are allowed to be there and not even just allowed, but who are valued and whose mm. experiences and ways of engaging with the divine are valued. That part. Um, yeah. Because like, I don't know, I feel like if you think of someone who is like a white pagan TM, uh, you're like, okay, so they're probably working with Greco-Roman deities and <laughs> like, they might have some locked in gender things, priest, priestess, the end sort of thing. Like, you know, but there's so many other ways to be engaging in folk religion. Like yes. a pagan is is someone who's not engaging in the religions of the book. It's someone who's engaging in earth-centered spiritualities, which, you know, there's a ton of folk religion yeah. across the world. I mean, Shintoism is even a form of folk religion, if you think about it. Like, and that's a Japanese um, tradition. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all of the Yoruba stuff coming out of um the african continent like there's a lot of different things there yeah the principles of unity did get updated in the last couple years it's true um Mm -hmm. maybe we'll put those in the show notes for people to go look at the principles of unity are part of this branch of paganism called reclaiming um which is the the flavor that i engage with sometimes um but also, you know, there's plenty of room for soul practitioners, right? Like just doing your own thing. And, you know, I've definitely seen people mix different pieces. Like I wonder for you, um, is there, do you do a combination of your hoodoo pieces and other stuff too? 
totally totally that was the first thing um because hoodoo from its hoodoo is more like the spiritual essence and um folk folk medicine of Mm -hmm. what then are multiple different closed systems um like everyone has heard of udon or voodoo um like has hoodoo as its like uh formation the the folk medicine of it but then the religious parts and when i say religious i mean the regimented here's the book and the rules that we follow like that's what i'm using in the word religion um that part is a closed system and requires you to do specific things to become part of that closed system and so Mm -hmm. for me i didn't want to be part of a systemic religion anymore of any specific type so yeah it required some but i i loved for instance the will of the year that the coven i was a part of was doing now it didn't feel quite right because i don't live in northern europe so at the time when they're saying summer's ending i'm like no no summer's in full blast right now it's 115 Mm -hmm. outside so Mm -hmm. i've changed up things to both include my my people's hoodoo and folk history with that wheel for instance and so that's Mm -hmm. kind of like my mix in my own practice is yeah i stop on um days of it's not always like to the measure like cross quarters and such but definitely the solstices the equinox i pay attention but then i also do um a lot of work for days that are commonly celebrated in hoodoo practices um as well as fold in those types of traditions like pouring libations and um anointing the threshold or all sorts of things like that that you don't really see in um uh lots of pagan circles that I I love that you said you pointed out the whiteness in some of it mm-hmm. because it is it's ridiculous sometimes it's, the, yeah it can be very white yeah I actually <laughs> found myself actually <clears throat> angry one time in circle because we were doing a circle and they called out to the pale goddess um they said something like the pale goddess Isis this 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 and I the reason I got upset is that the Egyptians left us pictures they literally left <laughs> hundreds of pictures oh uh, yeah <laughs> and not in one picture is isis presented as pale not in uh-huh. one yeah and also, i understand jesus was brown side note <laughs> they even described jesus like hair like wool. Jesus was Point a brown me. man <laughs> calm now so i don't know i i felt okay. myself really upset I, that time <laughs> I just I need to tell you that the the painting of white Jesus that like all the conservatives have in their house that is actually Da Vinci's boyfriend. I love it. Gay. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Yeah, I just I just needed everyone know. to know that. Yes. Educating the masses. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> Oh my, and the it chat goes wild. <laughs> <laughs> we read it on a meme stream one of the week, one of these months, and it was so good. I'm crying now. That's so funny. <laughs> I love it. Free Range Meg said accidental allies. That might be my new. I make stickers, y'all, and I might, Megs, I might oh have gosh. to make a sticker of that. Accidental allies with just the Jesus. <laughs> the, yeah. <laughs> I won't explain it. I'll never explain it. <laughs> absolute shenanigan <laughs> it's so good um 
Well, since you mentioned your stickers, shall we take a brief pause from our next four religion questions and you can tell us about your stickers? Because you have like a whole website, you do art. Like I do. I just discovered this when I went and looked at your website. I was like, wait, this isn't even one of the topics we're doing today. What's happening? I I have a bouncy of special interest because, okay, so while I love my ADHD kin, we're like like siblings in neurodivergence. I'm autistic and bipolar. And Mm -hmm. so half of the year, I'm going a thousand topics per hour. And the other half of the year, I am horizontal. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) during this time of year, when it's sunny and I love the world, um, I I paint, I draw. That's um, my, I guess my official job is a graphic designer. Like, um, and I make all sorts of stickers and stuff. I kind of realized now I didn't like bring anything to show so like this is one on my water bottle here oops got your gender nice i love that and i do all the art for them and um i also make uh just more you know traditional painting type arts um yeah it looks like there's also some furry art on your website there, there is. I, I am very. It's not proud. a criticism. I'm excited. I, about I, yes, I am very <laughs> proud. And in fact, I didn't bring that up. I don't know how I left that out. Um, the whole furry community and the concept of kind of create my own body, my own image, actually really helped me mm-hmm. understand my gender a lot. And I love that. yeah, yeah. So I am. It's still near and dear to me. I don't do as much in the community here anymore because the community is much, much younger than I am. Um, and even though we get along in some ways, I also believe in giving people their space, like to grow and learn and do what they want. So um, there are not a lot of gray furs out here, and 38 as a furry makes me up there. So gray fur, uh, right? <laughs> but um, yes. Yeah, so I do. I I love drawing people, places, spirits, um, the psychedelic visions of the future. I I don't know. I just love drawing. Um, the world that our that our brains and our vibes and our souls live in. I love the surrealism. Um, and for me, even the fur art is under surrealism. Like, what is it in our reality that we're not seeing? Mm. And I think the reason mm. the word is surreal and not subreal is because it's it's just as real. I remember your reality is only your perception, and that's kind of a both soothing and horrifying concept that our brain makes up. 90% of what's around us. So if you can imagine it, it's somewhat real. Yeah. I love that. Well, and like, you know, I mean, pagans exercise their creativity all the time, right? If we're doing like astral projection or like those other types of like spirit traveling where you go somewhere and maybe you build something in the spirit realm, like yes. what's the difference between that and getting really detailed on your persona color scheme and right. background? Like it's all it's all this like creative mind space that's like yeah you know energetic and not seen through the eye but through the mind and yeah like, especially yeah. journey work um being able to go on meditative journeys you have to first be able to imagine the setting you're trying to be in um yeah. there's so much i feel like the word imagination has somehow gotten stigmatized as something mm-hmm. bad or lesser when it's like mm-hmm. No, that's like the first step to manifestation is a man in imagination. You have to be able right. to imagine it and we can dress it up and be like, no, envision, but that's still imagining. It's fine. It's okay to imagine. It's good. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, Megs, well, because I'm a gender now. Oops, instead of took some, your gender. 
some flavor of those other trans identities. You're just you're just trying them all on. They're different outfits, you know. It's fine. Create yes, your own yes, world yes. along with choose your own adventure. Yeah. I love that. Uh, one mm. of my one of my favorite sort of hobby activities that can happen at Witch Camp is people will get together and play tabletop role-playing games like in their slack time. Can you imagine being at camp with a bunch of witches and like your meals are all taken care of for you and you just get to sit around and play tabletop games after ritual with your friends. <laughs> that sounds the best. It's the, the best. crossover. The crossover yeah. between gamers, yeah. cosplayers, furries. <laughs> And pagans. and pagans it's just yeah. one yeah it's one the venn diagram is a circle all right <laughs> i love we are, it we are a fun peoples i will say that i like that <laughs> you know i mean i know disability isn't like necessarily one of the topics we decided ahead of time but i feel like there's a piece here too because i'm an intersectional mischievous being and I will always bring the things in, um, mm -hmm. you know, for me, so much creativity is needed with my disability. Yeah. Like, how do you like have sex or be intimate while disabled? Yeah. How do you like socialize while disabled? Like mm -hmm. you can't leave your house. So what do you do? Like you could just be alone or you could get creative and figure it out. And so, yeah. you know, there's so much like, not only creativity for survival, but like creativity that's needed for thriving and fun. Yes, yes. When you don't fit the cookie cutter, cishet, able-bodied, white, like upper middle class, like flavor. Yep. Yeah. That okay. was exactly what I was thinking when you said that, even just economically, sometimes like a reason I got into uh, web forums and communities that way when I was mm -hmm. um, an older teenager is because my family did not have the money to, well, you know, oh, I'm going to go to a concert. I'm going to go out of town and no, I'm going to sit here at this computer for free and meet people like because that was what, yeah, that's what I had. And at that time, the internet was a very different beast. You still plugged your phone into the computer to get online yeah. and so yeah, it wasn't yeah, yeah it your, wasn't like now where it's like be on the internet and make a phone call you had to choose nope. <laughs> yep and if grandma needed to get something done on the phone sorry bye internet like that was yeah. just it um but wanting to connect like needing to reach outside of the communities that i was kind of forced into just by location um trying to find people who vibed like me like yeah that required i couldn't just well Let's not even talk about being in a huge family with one car. I couldn't just jump in the car and what drive off someplace. And, right. It was a family yeah. resource. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You could get on your bike if you had one or walk. Got stolen. <laughs> Mine did too. That life. <laughs> I hate the stolen bike feelings. But yeah, no, I hear you so much too with chronic illness, even in just this current context of um you know all of the panini going on in the world and like trying to find spaces that are safe for um my disabilities and my, my chronic illnesses um it's really hard because I see so much and I kind of get FOMO really deeply like mm -hmm. because it's like I want to go to the thing but no one's yeah. going to be masked and for me there's yes. still a lot of danger in that same. like big so, same like, like I can't... my friends did ritual this weekend and I was like one, I'm exhausted because I just did this mutual aid event on Thursday. So I don't Oof. have it in my physical body to drive an hour to come to your backyard. But two, it's like, they're not masking at the event. And I said, you know, if I'm there, like, 
I'm going to be masking, even though we're outside. And I would like yeah. to ask that for those of you who are comfortable doing so to also do so. And when I zoomed them, none of them were wearing masks, which yeah. maybe it's because I wasn't there, but it's just like, yeah, I just, it's, it's one thing to have able-bodied friends who like say they're allies and like, they were willing to make the accommodation of like setting up a zoom call. So I could at least talk to them and see them a little bit, but it's another thing to have like fellow, like circling with fellow disabled pagan queer people, especially if they're also trans is like yeah. so special and magical. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, it's hard to get us together because we're all disabled and tired, but like when it does happen, it's like, so my favorite, most like potent, magical like times mm. is is when we've been able to get those multiple intersections together to do magic. It's like, yeah, it's you're making it's me realize I need magical. to start something. I, I need know. to start something, don't I? Maybe we'll yeah. start something together on the internet so our friends yeah. can come. <laughs> and that's the well, I've been thinking of doing um full moon gatherings online, but and I. I admit, y'all, I am not shy at all about doing trans-only things because we need that space. We do. Yeah, we, we need do. space and and not trying to even be like, oh, we're so special. We're so different. It's like, no, we deserve space too where we're trans and that's not the, that's not the topic. Like it can be yeah. the topic, but it doesn't yeah. have to be the topic because right. I'm still amazed at going into, I will say in general for me, pagan spaces have been very, very open. Very seldom have I had things that felt like um, anti-transness or if anything, I've run into some turfiness in some um, mm -hmm. feminist pagan oh, coven yeah. spaces. But yeah. outside of that, I actually haven't had a lot. It's you, you described a specific type of pagan white guy with the, you forgot, you left out the kilt. He's wearing a oh, kilt yeah, too. Like, yeah. yeah, you know, the, like the manly kilts. <laughs> their manly kilt probably used to be a firefighter or something. And like, I've actually had amazing experiences with that person. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> several different areas of my life but um it does come up oh let's talk about the trans thing and it's interesting because i think they're trying to be um affirming in that way but it's yeah. like right now i'm here to be pagan i'm trans right. and pagan I'm not, and i'm not black. here to do this emotional labor right now right i'm on vacation yeah. i'm not on this is I'm, you're not paying me to teach you right Thank now you. Like, i'm here to jump the bell fire <laughs> with everybody else like yeah and I'm probably not make it so like you. can you help <laughs> Please help me put my kilt out. It's on fire. Right. Catch me, please. <laughs> my my polyester fairy wings that I wore to the ritual to upset all the purists. But <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> so much. Oh, so good. Um, maybe after the show we can talk more about this whole yeah. idea. I have I have I have thoughts to you. Yeah. Um I forgot what we were talking about. I'm I'm just excited about everything that's happening right now. I know. <laughs> what does animism mean to you? So I gave animism in general earlier. Animism, my specific animism is um, honoring, yes, the spirits and everything in our earth, but a really important part for me is healing the relationships that we have with those spirits of earth. So... For instance, my people were displaced onto this land and now live in many different unceded territories um, of the indigenous peoples of that place. So first, what are the ways that we can um, support those indigenous communities whose land we were displaced onto um, and continue to live on to this day? But also, how can we heal? So for instance, one of my healing works right now is with the ocean. Mm. Um, 
and being taught for years and years and years about the terrible things that happen to my people on the ocean, on boats, um, mm -hmm. in all these different ways. And so um, how do I heal that? How do I go put my foot in a wave and not feel that twinge of fear of, hey, do you remember what happened? It's like, no, I don't. I don't. It's like, well, your genetics do. It's like, okay, I know they do, but I can heal this. Mm -hmm. I, that this doesn't have to be a fearful place. This is a part of nature just like me. Um, so those healing things with the air, with the water, with the rain, um, and with my own body, because I, there are people who see, you know, part of our humanity is us like, um, what's the word? Uh, not challenging nature, but overcoming. That's the word people use. Overcome your nature. No, lean into it. My other challenge has been, I'm an animal. I'm happy being an animal. I'm fine with it. I stopped eating with silverware unless I'm out someplace. Like, nice. I love touching my food. Y'all, like, if you just try it, okay? Like, it's, try my animus practice of eating with your hands. The food tastes different when you put it on your hands and then put your hand in your mouth like a baby and, like, get that food off your fingers. It's such a experience. So animism for me is honoring the earth and the spirits in the earth through those healing interactions. Um, so just kind of find that oneness with nature. How do we just, how do we go back? How do I go back to being a natural thing versus, mm. versus what the other options are? Right, a colonized thing. Yeah, yeah. Colonized by humanity, humans, colonized by um, whiteness, colonized by, yeah, you know, mm. capitalism. Sorry, my cat is helping. Come here. Yay. <laughs> Um, earlier, earlier, Beatrix helped me pick out the necklace I'm wearing because um, she decided, ooh, shiny thing, I'm going to knock this off of your altar. <laughs> so that's why I'm wearing my amethyst tree necklace situation today. No better to eat curry than with your hands, says Kamesy. Nice. Yes. Kamesy's my um, Indian South African friend that I was telling you about before the show. Oh, I love it. I've yeah. had... um curry with on top of rice eating with my hands like for a second i was like uh oh i'm gonna need something and like no no the rice held it it was amazing nice. i love it i love that that's so great now you're realizing you trained yourself out of eating with your hands yeah i mean i think the other thing with that too is like if you're eating with your hands you're you're probably more present with your meal right because it's like you can't do anything you can't else. multitask you gotta like pay attention to what you're doing yeah then yeah. um Kamesy, I agree. I grew up eating with my hands. My family commonly, um, like most people in the African diaspora, eat finger eat. Like you take a piece of bread or um we have we have something we call po cake, and it's like I don't really know how to describe it other than po cake. It's not a pancake, it's not cornbread, it's somewhere between, and it's really soft and fluffy. And yeah, you just scrape the food up with it and like eat it with it. And I learned at school. It wasn't until high school I went to a um, school that was mixed instead of mostly my people. And um, yes, y'all, Georgia is technically still pretty segregated, um, the areas I grew up in. And so I didn't go to a school with non-Black people until I was in high school, pretty much, and was made fun of for eating with my hands. And so I mm. unlearned. And part of my healing work has been, no, that was fine. It's great that I eat with my hands. Yes. Yeah, Mirami, Mirami says in the chat, sounds kind of like injera for me to me too um and bear was saying i can't i can't eat with my hands because i can't stand dirty hands to which i yes. responded accessibility matters too there's a yes. diversity of options 
Mm-hmm. You eat at your desk now, so cutlery is needed. Yeah, but what if you didn't, though? At least when the power's out and you can't do anything at your desk anyways, what if you ate with your hands? It could be your power out practice. Yes, yes. You wash your hands, you think of agata while you're doing it, and then you eat with your hands. Oh. It's a different way to be grateful for the energy that went into growing the plants and feeding the animals and, yes, you know, creating the, the food. I love gratitude practice around meals. Yes. It's, oh, that's beautiful. Lovely. And that's exactly what I mean by my, what I see as animism is that, that, mm -hmm. that like moment of truly communing because you, you do, you start to think about all of it. Who grew this food? Like, yeah. look at this and what that food's going to do in your body. Um, as well as being pagan, I'm a, I'm a like mega nerd as far as like biological sciences and stuff. And I love, I actually just like to sit there sometimes and imagine chewing the food and it being broken all the way down to molecules and those molecules mixing with my little saliva molecule carriers and going down the esophagus. I like to just picture the whole thing um, in amazing detail because it's, it's amazing, y'all. Like, that's kind of freaking magical that we're just like these mega processor plants, you know, just so that we can then fertilize the earth. It's pretty impressive. Yeah. Okay, speaking of fertilizing the earth, I didn't, I didn't imagine I'd be asking this question when I woke up this morning. So if you're eating with your hands, what happens when the food leaves your body? Do you still use a toilet like, like default mode or are you fertilizing the earth? <laughs> so if I am outside, I'm probably fertilizing the earth, like camping and stuff. I cannot stand yeah. those public shared spaces at most campgrounds with exception to Malibu State Park. That was mm. interesting. It's like right. too clean. It was like, this isn't what's happening but anyway um but I actually even I've been doing a lot of mobility work around um changing body positions while going potty squatty nice. potty is not a gimmick it is not no a gimmick. I love I, squatty potties yeah and so it's just even revolutionary yeah somebody in the chat mentioned about accessibility and ability and um you know part of eating with my hands actually had to do with for me, an accessibility choice because I have really intense carpal tunnel and ulnar nerve mm -hmm. um, symptoms. So it's really painful to do that motion that you hold with. Um, yeah, so even yeah, yeah. if I'm not scooping the food with my hands, sometimes I will just pick the whole bowl up and like use it like a giant cup and just like yeah. kind of cup Drink food. It. But it's the same with going potty. Like I never realized a lot of the issues that present in my body as IBS had to do with the fact that we're, we're kind of taught these very unnatural positions to do things in. And it's not just going potty. Yeah. We're, yeah. we're like limited on how we're allowed to sleep. We're limited on how we are able to birth for people who can birth. Like mm -hmm. there are all these natural things the body wants to do. And we're taught like, no, you have to sleep on a bed this way with your head. Like, and it's like, nah, go ahead, lean. A lot of humans actually like to be halfway sat up while they're sleeping. That's why people love recliners. We actually really like mm -hmm. to be in that position like mm -hmm. yeah it's really interesting um even down to something like that is yeah I'm trying to relearn my animal practices including following this cat sometimes and seeing like huh, my cat always eats and then goes to sleep for just a short bit what if I did that what would that feel like mm -hmm. like learning from nature around me as well I would call those rewilding practices Ooh, I like it that's I not my like phrase that. that's mm. um I can't remember the name of the person, but I can see their face in my head. I'm going to have to look person, that up. I, I think the person's that. name is Coyote, but that's clearly a camp name. So I'm going to have to figure out who that is and get back to you. But fabulous, Black, gender, wonderful being. 
who lives in California. Amazing. Yeah. Um, I feel like this one is sort of a almost a biography question, and we may have already covered it, but I'm going to ask it anyways, and you can skip it if you want to. What spiritual communities have you been in, whether a traditional church, a pagan community, or something else altogether? Mm. I've I've been around the block. <laughs> um, so I started again in a um, Pentecostal megachurch, um, which is an experience, y'all. Like, I'm not the only one. I suggest it with caution, but if you are curious about Pentecostal megachurches and the things that go on, all you need to do is hop on YouTube and look up uh, problems with the Pentecostal megachurch, or you can just search it and find like written articles. There are so many people speaking up about it because it was a, um, I think it really took off in like the 70s and 80s. Um, they pretty much become your entire community so that they can control all your actions. And it's not just the Pentecostal megachurch, there's other congregations. Um, but I then went on like a I don't even know what you would call it. Like, I was like, okay, so, but which, which religion feels right? So I tried a bunch of stuff. Baha'i, I looked at Jewish congregations, Reformed Jewish congregations. I uh, tiptoed around the uni Universalist Unitarian mm -hmm. um, congregations and finally yeah. found a coven that I loved. And after the coven, I did solitary practicing within um, a group called North Georgia Solitaries. And what it was is it was a bunch of solitary pagan practitioners who then would come together just because it's lonely out there when you're just, you know, not doing anything, um, when you're not, when you're not connecting with people in your spiritual practice. So um, that didn't exactly work out either because it turns out, yeah, when you're all doing something vastly different, sometimes it can be hard. Uh, Gender Master, you shared about calling in all of the, the energies and the deities and the, um, the, elemental forces and it's like so sometimes our circles would get so muddled because we were trying to make sure everybody felt represented that it, you know it just wouldn't function anymore um but I met a lot of people through that and that's part of how I ended up uh discovering these uh animus pagan practices and what solitary work could look like in a way that isn't lonely because that was also a false binary there isn't together or separate it doesn't have to be that there is lots of range in the middle there's lots of range outside of that so um yeah I've been in a lot Coventry was very interesting it was an old-fashioned coven where you had to meet the people outside of circle and kind of get vetted in before you could come into yeah. the outer circle and then work your way into the inner circle um they were a pretty well-to-do family and they had a huge circle out in the middle of the North Georgia woods mm. y'all this was like storybook pagan you know stone circle where they hold a knife to you when you come in and ask you know how come ye all of this it was it was amazing yeah. I absolutely actually I would go back and redo that part of my life it was an interesting experiment I would go back and revisit um but it it just wasn't for me in the end a little different from what I where I was headed yeah um to circle back to our last topic, um, Cody's street name, like like a person person name, whatever, uh, is Preston Vargas. And Mirami and I are typing at each other mundane name. I like that better. Mundane name mm. um, is Preston Vargas. And I think probably 
um, Preston and Theo, who's another reclaiming witch, work together possibly on something about rewilding. Um, there's a book called Elements of Magic that's edited by Jane Meredith and Gidi Parma. I think at least one of those people lives in Australia, but I'm not sure. And it's possible that Preston has something in that collection. So we'll make sure to link that book um, in the show notes for folks. But yeah, Elements of Magic is also the name of the like very beginner first course that's offered in Reclaiming. There's like five core courses now, and wow. Elements of Magic is one of them. And you can take it like 10 times with 10 different teachers and get completely different content because it's yep. not like the only thing that at least within reclaiming that we all agree on are the principles of unity. Everything else is like people are teaching from their own experience. It's, there's always two teachers because you want to be anarchist and not have any one person be the authority. So there's always yeah. two in classes. Um, I mean, there could be more than two, but there's at least always two. And um, yeah, it's it's really cool to sort of hear the different... Um, I just found a link for the book. Uh, here are the different perspectives on sort of the the meanings behind earth, air, fire, water, and spirit. Yes, so yes. Just pop that that book in there for us. Um, I think it's in there. But, anyways, I think I actually already own that book. It's on my bookshelf. I haven't read it clearly. ADHD wins that round usually. The the reading of the <laughs> books with the eyeballs. Yeah, it might be time to read it. It'd be nice to like do a voice call and read it to each other. Mm. Um, I like that. It would hold my attention better. Um, yeah, I, I appreciate you talking about your your sort of trajectory, your journey, and the places you've been in. Um, I like your description of the the storybook pagan circle with like the actual stone stuff. Like, yeah. You know, I can't tell you how many times I've been around witches who wish that they could communally buy land so they could have their sacred rights in the same place consistently over time because there's something really special yeah. about a place that has the magic of years soaked into the earth, the stones, the trees, yeah. you know. And um, something that I've noticed I'm grieving at least is witch camp um, is moving locations because the place that we've been doing it the last several years um, during the the pandemic lockdowns like we didn't have camp for obvious reasons um and for health reasons we chose not to do it again last year and they found someone else who was more willing to take those risks and take that time slot and they have a new contract that oh. that takes that week that we're used to being there yeah and so like we've had to find a new location and the the weavers have you know been working really hard on sorting all that out and um yeah, so it's just it's been like like I feel I feel the heart ache about oh we're in a new place. And yeah. it's happened once before. Um this camp is 30 or more years old. Like these people have been meeting every summer for the last 30 plus years. Wow. Um it's one of the older older of the reclaiming witch camps and um yeah, this this will be the third place we've had to choose. And I remember hearing some of the old timers talk about how they miss the old place we were at the second place and now i'm becoming one of those people yeah there is some grieving for you not meeting those specific stones again totally yeah 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 there was but, a campground where the solitaries met and they had met there mm -hmm. for years and there were these trees that had grown i don't know if i would call it trees or one tree because it looked like it had the same base but there were three separate trunks that came out of it mm. and they called them the three sisters and like had left offerings okay. at those trees years and years and mm -hmm. um the 
park system decided to cut them down. Oh and God. so one year they went to that campground. Um, traumatizing. Yeah. And those trees were gone. And, and you know, the, the park system, unfortunately, like the way they cut them down even was like the stumps were left. It was rugged and ragged. The inside was still all red. And it was just like, oh, my gosh. Like, yeah, that's a who. And then that ties into all sorts of things around old money, especially in Georgia, uh, mm-hmm. whiteness. And these people were you know, a few generations into where they were. And so having a space like that is, uh, it's rare. It's a rarity. And um, it's also a privilege. Yes, a rarity and a privilege, 100%. And, um, And, you know, trans disabled people of color, like witches do not, are not often synonymous with privilege. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I told someone once I'm a polymer clay witch. (laughs) Nice. And they laughed because they totally got it. It's like, you know, sometimes I got a DIY stuff. Like I am not necessarily built to go on long mountain passage hikes to find an elm branch that has been offered to me by, you know, like, so no, I'll just, mm-hmm. I can just make one at home out of mm-hmm. something. It'll be fine. It works. Yeah. Yeah. There is, um, it is special when we're able to connect with the earth right? Connect with specific plants and specific places. And um, I agree that it's totally jarring when the powers that be come along and wrest those away from us in one way or another. Yeah. Um, But it also like just sort of speaks to and shows just how special and strong and true those connections can be. Yes. Right. You know, what I, what I think is maybe a way to do a rite of passage or a ritual to sort of bring the soul of a place from one location to another mm. um, could be working with mycelium yeah. because mycelium is the, it's the plant internet. Like it, it connects all of the underground living beings. And yes. um, you know, if, if I trusted anything to carry the spirit of a place from one spot to another, it would be mycelium. those hyphal mats are unbeatable it's amazing Mm -hmm. yeah not a plant yeah you're right it's mycelium is its own fungi category that is not animal or plant it's this other third thing you're right (laughs) mirami is our mushroom head around here yes (laughs) i find mushrooms and the way we are learning more about them very interesting too because again all of our ancient earth honoring people told us all of this yeah they told us all of this like the you know the western white science decided like no 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 that's made up there aren't agrigores that makes no sense what do you mean so many plants communicating with each other that they are a sentient living like (laughs) every once in a while i want to be like told you to all like just make my own science journal like with its own like irb and everything (laughs) just to make papers that say told you but <laughs> like it's always funny to me when there's a scientific discovery like oh, these mushrooms can communicate over vast networks hmm. you could have just <laughs> listened when you were told that by every ancient earth honoring tradition but whatever it's fine yeah yeah um how can pagan communities and other spiritual groups be more welcoming and uplifting for gender diverse folks disabled folks people of color like people who are not wealthy any other intersection you want to bring in Ooh, so 
not only is that like an amazing question, it's a huge question, right? So it is huge. That's surmising dollar an hour answer. <laughs> listen, surmising it all, I think I would say include us in the making of those spaces, not make the space and then go, okay, how we now let's do a focus group and but no, no, if you have a board, so if you are putting together, as I'm putting together, for instance, some of my first, what'll be my first, I'm calling them sermons because I actually really like that word, um, but they're probably going to be Instagram lives, but whatever, you know, like as I'm putting that together, I am talking Instagram to- Instagram live is just the publishing platform. It can still be a sermon. It, right. It's a sermon on Instagram live. And um, yeah, so I'm talking to my friends that sit at other intersections than I do. I'm talking to them now as I'm building it including their feedback and making sure that there are places where they can shine as well, especially um, my Indigenous friends, um, making sure that, you know, they're hearing my thoughts and, and making sure they feel comfortable to say, yo, that's just appropriation right there. You didn't come up with that. That's not something, you know, give proper credit. Um, so I think that including us, listening to us, and then being open to change, you know, even in spaces where I heard people say, Oh, I hear you. Okay, so you're you're having a lot of um, visual problems, and so you can't see your way down there. Okay, I hear you. We'll think about that. Don't think about it. Take my feedback. It's like I mm -hmm. literally told you what I need to be helped. So don't say you're thinking about it. You can just say yes, we will do that, or no, we are not going to do that. And either is fine, right? Or we have plans to do it. Here's our stepwise plan. We can't do everything you asked right now, but here's what we can do. Yeah. But a lot of places don't do that. They simply kind of go, oh, I'm so sorry. I hear you. And that's it. And it's not enough. It's like. Yeah. It's like, you don't no. understand me though. <laughs> yeah. Right. So it takes all of it. It takes listening, letting us help build these spaces, build these spiritual practices and spaces, um, especially when it comes to um, taking the the way that our American culture is steeped in white nationalism, like people mm -hmm. of color have to be there in the planning stages from square one, because whether we like it or not, we are all raised under white nationalism. That's right. And for some of us, States. in the United States. Yeah. And for some of us, that becomes a, a fight within self. Like, obviously I'm not white. So being raised with white nationalist views, which... I still was because I was raised here in America becomes like a, a, a fight against self. Like, wait, no, I, I don't think I'm ugly. I don't think um, this is practice is weird. So, you know, and then for other people, it becomes really easy to just fold into it. Like, oh, yeah, this is what my mom did and her mom did and my dad and all this. And it, it just fold into it. So it takes more than listening to fix it. It takes an action, like action steps mm -hmm. and um, that's been one that I'm really fortunate to learn about from a lot of my Indigenous friends here is how to improve, for instance, land acknowledgements and such with action behind them. So mm -hmm. here's the land I'm on and here's some artists that you can support <laughs> who are from this land, you know, like really learning to take the actions behind the steps. And um, it's been so nice to be educated in that way. But that takes a lot of like vulnerability on the part of those Indigenous people because they've said this all before, right? and been ignored and so it takes a lot for them and so therefore i need to make space for that i need to learn to hold my emotional reactions to being corrected and um that's one way that we have to build um i don't know make it make the communities open to 
everyone else, everyone who isn't white and able-bodied and neurotypical, like there are so many, there are so many intersections that need to be honored and, oh, and do it with more than one person. Because I know more than once I've been roped into a space as like this checkbox of minorities or something like, like they had a checkbox and they're like, right. And it's like, oh, wait, let's see. Dion checks our box for neurodivergent black. Okay. So we only got to find, I don't, (laughs) um, we only got to find, you know, a person who uses a wheelchair and now we're good. And it's like, no, that's not how it works. Do a focus group. Yeah. Pay the people some kind of way services or money or something it's not hard like it's not hard to take the baby steps um of being of doing better as far as not even accessibility i want to say um involvement like i think sometimes when we think of it as how are we become more accessible it's like oh well have better involvement from those communities that you're trying to include like we don't want to be accessible we want to be inclusive like they overlap they're not mutually exclusive of course right but when we start thinking of how to include people um instead of how to make it bearable for them to be in the space you've already created it changes the uh the way of doing it i had like three different thoughts while you were talking and now i have zero thoughts <laughs> now that's my turn to say for no thoughts <laughs> no thoughts <laughs> no thoughts no gender <laughs> it's yes, all gone no, thoughts, no gender all all thoughts and genders have been canceled for the day um we do have a a little question from the chat i wonder from Miramie. i wonder if dion has read braiding sweet grass because oh my god such a good piece of writing on bridging the gap between western science and indigenous knowledge i have not read that but i'm writing it down because i don't know if you know this but um braiding sweet grass and pine is a Gullah custom, like if you were to ever go to um, Charleston, South Carolina, for instance, um, Buford, like South Carolina, Georgia, Savannah, you see us out there with like the corn husk and um, the sweet grass braids making baskets or those little roses and crosses and all sorts of stuff that you can get out there. So even just the title makes me want to read it. So thanks for sharing that. I'm going to have to look that up. I've just put the link in the chat and I'll throw it in the show notes as well. Perfect. Thank you. So we've got braiding sweet grass. We've got elements of magic. Mm. We've got the principles of unity. That's what happens when a bunch of pagans hang out and talk about spirituality. You get a bunch of links. <laughs> wall. Yeah, this is amazing. Is there, does your hat have um, rainbow thread in it? It does. You just leaned close to the camera and I saw it. Look at that. That's a good hat. Right it's there. Target. <laughs> oh my glob. <laughs> Target's pride collections and then they named the designers i gotta admit they're as far as a mega corporation they're doing some interesting stuff like i love their black history month collection this year they named all the creators and these aren't like already rich people they pull people in it's really outstanding yeah hashtag book pod (laughs) yes robin wall that's who i was looking for wonderful all of this all of this is so wonderful um okay well, chat, if you have any more questions, this is your last call for AMA questions. Um, in the meantime, Dion, is there anything we missed about paganism and spirituality that you'd like to make sure that you say? It's one of our concluding questions. In case I didn't say it, I think people were flowing with this anyway, but I don't know if I said the words. I've learned just through years of experience 
you are on the right path when it feels good. And that sounds a little like, I don't know, self, it sounds like an easy way to kind of uh, box yourself into an experience. But when I started to align with my spiritual path, things about my gender started to make sense. Things about my love, my like way of loving as a polyamorous queer person started to make sense. Things about my mental and psychological challenges started to make sense. Like, and not that everything fell in line perfectly, but spirituality was no longer the fight. I started to see the fight as not with myself or my, or with, oh no, you know, these spirits are against me. Like it started to become, okay, here's my spiritual practice and here's how the world is holding me. Here are the ways the whole world is holding me so that I can then fight the system that is hurting me. Mm -hmm. And I think that's when you know you're aligned. Whatever you end up finding the name of your practice being, um, I know people in, there are people who are feeling so claimed and um, validated within systemic religions. So that's totally possible. It isn't the path for me, but whatever it is that you do find, um, especially as a pagan, because there are lots of ways to be pagan. There are lots of ways to be animist. It should feel good. If you feel like you are fighting or if you're in a system where they're constantly telling you you're under spiritual attack, you're under, then question that a little bit because you don't have to live a life where you're being harmed both by the system here in the U.S. that is actually out to get you and the spiritual world. The rocks aren't there to hurt you. Sometimes we trip over them, but they are not there to hurt you. Like your spirits should be a support network not a new base of enemies. And I do think sometimes I see people leaning into spiritualities where they're, where they're being given more and more enemies, more and more things that are hurting them without being offered any support or the support is the leader of that spirituality. And now you're in a dangerous territory, right? Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it should feel good. Whatever your practice is, it should bring you pleasure. It should bring you joy. I love that. Your practice should bring you pleasure and joy. Mm -hmm. That is so delightfully anti-Protestant. <laughs> oh my gosh, tell me about it. <laughs> I love that. Can you share an experience with gender euphoria? Oh, yes. I love asking my guests this question. It's a good one. I'm really fortunate that in my more recent life, I've had several amazing experiences. And I'm trying to think, I'm going to use a more recent one. So I had the amazing honor of my work paying for a trip to a conference in Dallas called BTAC, the Black Trans Advocacy Conference, um, nice. which was all Black trans people. Mm -hmm. Something I have never experienced. I've been at a conference before of all trans people, but all Black trans people in all of the different ways that we look, all of the different ways that we behave, because there, of course, are expectations around what Black masculinities and femininities look like. Um, and even finding more Black non-binary and genderqueer folk was just sitting. There was a point where someone, there was a pageant first, and the yes, person who yeah. won makes Black Trans International, um, a, I think they use the word genderqueer. I think it's the word they use. Um, person who was doing a dance performance to a song called This Is Me by, um, now what is her name? Kayela. She's an amazing gospel singer. Um, 
it was from a musical called um, The Greatest Showman, Kayela Settle. Kayela Settle, there it is. <laughs> um, it's a beautiful song just on its own and within the musical, but as a young person, I didn't mention this, I had an obsession with circuses and quote freak shows in the circus because I felt like that was right where I belonged. Um, I've always grown facial hair. Um, I like since puberty, I um, just lots of things about my body. I was like, wow, you know, I would have fit in perfect there. That's a place where I could be. And so first I actually was really touched by that part of the, now the movie itself, y'all, it's a, it's a, it's a whole experience. It's not the best experience, but that specific scene where it's the people who are in the freak show saying like, we're humans too. Like, give us our time to shine. You're take, we do the, all the work and you take all the credit. And to see this like genderqueer person out on a huge dance floor, just taking up space in the shimmering holographic dress, like, yeah. but, but with a face like mine, with the beard, with the short hair, and just, it was just one of those moments where I had never felt so absolutely seen and validated. Like, it was like this mixture of euphoria and compersion all at once that was just like, this is it. Like, this is, mm. I'm not just making up some random thing and sitting on the sidelines hoping like, you know, tag me in coach. I'm trans too. Like, it's like, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. here it is. Here we are here yeah. doing the thing. And I'm not invisible and I'm not doing something rare and exclusive. I'm not a shiny Pokemon. There are more of me. Like, and that felt really good to me because again, another thing that happens in nature is the echo. You don't ever see one pine tree, there yeah. are thousands of them. And every once in a while, I get a little lonely as I, you know, I'll see somebody uh, on Instagram and it's like, oh, non-binary, this, 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 and I click it. And it's a very specific look and a very specific type of person. And I click and I click and I click and I don't find people who are like me often. So in that moment, there was this amazing, like, yeah, yeah, I'm still in that natural order. I'm still part of this, like, world that can be viewed just this amazing sense of settling into my body fully with no shame no need to prove anything it was just absolutely amazing so such a euphoric mm -hmm. experience just sharing space with that person in the way that they did their pride like tm pride yeah that is so amazing i love that so much um yeah um i I will very briefly mention it now, but I, I really think you should meet my co-host Atlas sometime. Atlas wears a fabulous Phoenix outfit and goes to pride marches and hands out roses, like hundreds or thousands of roses. Um, yeah, they're such a wonderful being. I think you would enjoy each other. Yeah. Yes. Um, anyway. So my last question that I have for you today, Dion, is what would you like to make sure folks know about your perspective on gender and non-binary or trans issues? I think the thing I would love for everyone to take away about gender and trans issues is that they are tied into every element of our being. Mm -hmm. I hear people very often say, oh, well, you can't make blank into a personality. You can't make being non-binary into what do you think personality is other than a bunch of things <laughs> like, excuse me, explain yourself. But um, mm -hmm. yes, you can. It's a part of your personality. It's a part of your being. And when we ask for space or for space to be held, then 
the other thing that I get sometimes is like, well, what's that got to do with gender? What's religion got to do with gender? What's being an artist got to do? Well, they all mix. The thing about intersections is it's not Black and trans and pagan and no, it's Black, trans, pagan. Like it's, it's, it's no commas, yes, yeah, actually. Yes, yeah, I yes, use yes, the commas in English just because that's the limitations of the language. But technically, it's more like German where you just keep adding on to the word until you mm -hmm. make a completely new word. It's more mm -hmm. like that. It's yeah. all of those intersections come together to be something completely different. And so, yeah, yeah, we bring up being trans. Like, I don't think that's an issue within this, like, this discussion here, looking at this amazing chat and um, talking to y'all. Like, I don't think this is necessarily a thing here, but spread the word. Like, we are bounteous creations. There are so many intersections within us that yes we're trans or queer or non-binary but we are also so much more so many mm -hmm. other things mixed into that so you know whereas it's great to be able to connect with people because you saw the same pride flag that you like that doesn't mean you're going to be best friends because there's all these other intersections that are going to occur that doesn't mean that we're not going to accidentally hurt each other sometimes because sometimes microaggressions happen and it's all about learning how to listen when that's occurred and make space to fix the issue. Um, we always have so much more to learn. So I don't know, make space to expect the bigness of what it is to be trans because it isn't just that. It's a big, uh, a big mix of a lot of things. Yeah. Oh man, I love it so much. I, I could seriously just sit here and chat with you endlessly. This is like, not only a wonderful conversation, but I feel like um, we're sort of birds of a feather with our, our various backgrounds and wanderings. Like we're different birds, right? We still have had right. different lives, but um, there's a lot of ways that we're, that we're similar. And the, the feeling you, you shared about experiencing like while you were at the um, conference, you know, there's like a little mini version of it happening here with both of us hanging out. Yes. Like vibing together. It makes me really granny. Um all right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, you all, yeah, Kamesy says this conversation feels a lot a lot like a showcase of healing. Aw. Mm -hmm. I like that description. I love that. So y'all, Dion is a proud black queer witch with a big mouth and a bigger heart that is really hard to break, despite the cracks and deep fissures. He fights with his mental health that he is uh, wrecked in academia and makes art stories, educational materials about aspects of his intersectional identities. You can find more at DionDeviation.com, D-I-A-N-D-V-I-A-T-I-O-N.com. Um, that is also your handle on both Twitter and Instagram. And uh, chat, I'm going to have Dion read this week's Clutter Query that you, our audience, can answer on social media platforms. Yes, this week, can y'all answer, what is a way that your spiritual practice takes care of you and your community? What a great question. So folks, you have an opportunity to answer that on our social media channels. Um, it'll be posted shortly after the live recording. And by the time you're hearing this on the recorded version, we'll have it up for a few days. So pop by our Instagram, our Twitter, whatever and um, engage with that question. Um, next week's guest is Larissa Frost, and we will be discussing plurality and creativity. 
Um, for community updates, I wanted to remind you all that Keynesy Mutual Aid is coming up. The donate link is live now. So if you hear this and you're like, I'm going to forget later, you can go throw money in the hole now. <laughs> um, hashtag Keynesy Mutual Aid begins on Africa Day, which is May 25th. So that's two Thursdays uh, or one Thursday. It's in 10 days from the live recording. Yeah. Um, if you'd like to help organize, uh, produce, or stream for the event, we still need more streamers. We still need more moderators. Um, so let us know. Um, reach out to me, Sunbury or Kamesy, um, and save the dates and stop by the raid trains. The donate link is pally.gg forward slash tip forward slash Kamesy. Um, Kamesy needs help getting an off-grid electricity solution to provide flexibility, freedom, and options. Um, because, you know, when you're, when you're disabled and at home all the time, the last thing you need is your power to be out. Um, the event will be going for three days and it's very intentional because the longest outage Kamesy has ever experienced is 72 hours. Think for a minute about living in our modern world and not having access to power for three full days and how challenging it would be to do your work to socialize with your friends as a disabled person who's sort of, you know, you need to stay close to home and you can't get online. You can't turn your computer on. Your refrigerator doesn't keep your food cold consistently. Like you can't run your CPAP machine at night to keep your, your brain and your body well. So um, we're doing something about it. You know, allyship is an action. It's not an identity. And so we're doing something about it. Please show up, even if you don't have money, um, your viewership helps. Your typing in the chat gives energy to the streamers who are doing the content. Um, if you're not available the day of, we need help ahead of time organizing, creating the schedule, creating graphics, um, you know, even just being creative and thinking of incentives for the streamers to have. Um, there's a ton of ways you can support and help and participate. So, um, so Games of Mutual Aid, hashtag, look for that hashtag on your social media channels. You can like, retweet, boost, comment, whatever. Any of those posts that you see, that's another way to help out. Um, in the meantime, I will report that the Lexington Mutual Aid event last Thursday went incredibly well. We, the original goal was $690 for Lexington's name change and top surgery. We smashed that goal and raised enough money for his hysterectomy also. Two surgeries in one stream, can you imagine? Um, enough money for two surgeries. Thank you everyone. And thank you Dion for being my guest today. Jennifer would like to thank our guests for being on this podcast. If you'd like to catch us live, join us on Mondays at twitch.tv forward slash gendermaster. Show notes will appear in the edited version of the show on Fridays on both YouTube and podcasting platforms. If you have a question you would like the host to answer or are gender diverse and would like to request an interview, please send an email to genderfulpodcast at gmail.com or sign up via the website at genderfulpodcast.com. As a gender diverse community, The Clatter wants to assure our listeners that we are prepared to moderate our spaces. We will get positive and negative feedback on these shows and topics, and we have a moderation team on our channels, socials, and Discord server ready to deal with this. Please join our Discord server at discord.gg forward slash meowster to meet the community and get a regular digest of solidarity resources. You can also support us with subscriptions on Patreon, following and reviewing us on your favorite podcasting platform are engaging with our posts and content on social media at genderfulpod and at gendermeowster. 
you could take a few moments to also rate the show, we will post any five-star reviews on our socials, so get creative. Mention a special interest of your own, a project you're working on, or even say hi to your comfort person in your review. What power. This show is made possible by volunteers, tips, and subscriptions. Shout out to the folks helping us coordinate guests, edit the podcast, moderate the live chat, and post on our socials. Artist credit for Jennifer. Jennifer's theme song is called Hope by Free Range Megs, a.k.a. Soma. The Gender Meowster logo was designed by That's Barnaby and edited with consent by Transgriffin. Jennifer's pre-show is wrangled by Juice Tex. Jennifer is edited and mixed by Trans Griffin and Alexis Vandom. Jennifer's social media is managed by Queer to Help. Jennifer is hosted by Atlas O. Phoenix and Gender Meowster. Jennifer is the intellectual property of Gender Meowster. All rights reserved. Trans, Trans rights, rights are human, human rights. rights. That's, That's right. right.